Hey, Steve. What, John? Why are they called seagulls? I don't know why. Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
we want to make our podcast more interactive. So please feel free to reach out to us on social media or email us at EFGpodcast at EngagedFamilyGaming.com or editor at EngagedFamilyGaming.com uh, with any comments, questions, or topic suggestions. However, I have a special one now um, because we're coming up on our E3 predictions episode. So I want to hear your suggestions. Um, I want to hear your predictions. So email us. Um, I think probably the best thing to do is to message me on Facebook. The more I think about it, is sending a message to the Facebook page. Um, do that. And tell us what you predict will happen. I want to read some fan predictions um, so more people will get things right other than me. Uh, because I'm not going to get things right because I'm terrible. Uh, yeah, but I do. Yeah. Um, I yeah, you do. You called, you called it um, good luck uh, this yeah. year because most of all the things spoiled by Walmart off limits this yeah. year. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But anyway... Um, so please shoot us an email, uh, let us know what your, uh, or Facebook message, etc. maybe even join the community at engagefamilygaming.com slash community. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um, so as many of you already know, we alternate our topics, video games, board games this week, video games, specifically, we have two topics today. One, uh, we're going to briefly go over Nintendo's online plans and our opinions about it. And then we're going to take a break. And then after that, I have an interview with uh, the man behind Mightier. Now, Mightier is a company based out of Boston um, that uses video games to help treat children with um, mental illnesses like anxiety and outbursts, autism, ADHD, etc. Um, it is a fascinating discussion where we talk a lot about uh, some of the... Uh, the usefulness of video games in that treatment, some of their strengths and weaknesses, etc. I am fascinated by it, um, and I, I hope that you will too. Um, and we talk a lot about Race the Sun, which is a very good game. Um, if you haven't played it, YouTube it. It's pretty good. So, um, before we do any of that, though, we're going to go around the horn. Mr. Tomlinson, um, I will give you a few moments to finish your discussion about God of War before uh, we, you know. It is the greatest journey in video games I've played. That's what I'm going to go with. It's a continuous shot, just like a movie. You'll see the camera pan around you and push in on stuff. But the way everything walks, the way everything talks, it's just straight up a father and son journey where they not only discover uh, their past and future, but they discover each other. And the way things are, the son and father have this majorly strained relationship. And in the opening scene, the mother has already passed. And uh, the father takes them on a tutorial hunting to see if he's ready to take the journey. My father had not even completed that, and he was already just like, oh, I did this, I did this. He was so excited, and there's a scene where um, something epic happens in the background, and like the, the sun's a little sad, and you see Kratos reach over to, like, you know, console Atreus for a second, and then reach back, and that that's like sets the tone for the game, where slowly but surely you they find each other. 
And it, it's one of the most heartwarming story. In between, there's a lot of beating them up. <laughs> you know, like if, but the monster, most of the monsters in it are much like the monsters that were in Suicide Squad. They are faceless beings yeah. or like witch floaty things type of stuff. But um, it, the story is beyond everything you know about Norse mythology is in it, period. Like, I can't spoil it. Damn, like everything's there. And it's amazing. Listen, it looks great. I can't wait to play it. I just have to, like, meet you somewhere and uh, steal it from you. Um, and it, everything sounds amazing. So here's what we have. There's all, there is actually a piece of content about God of War up on the website. Uh, God of War is starting a new, um, branch of coverage on engagefamilygaming.com. We refer to it as one for the grownups. Um, and so, uh, we're coming up with a better and, you know, we're just, we're coming up with a better name for it, but for now it's called one with the grownups. And essentially we're going to be talking about some of the higher profile M rated video games that come out each year for, for a couple of reasons. One, um, Parents are part of the family, too, and sometimes parents just want to play a violent game while their kids are in bed, and that's totally fine. Um, And the other piece, and I think that this is important, too, um, is um, that there are a lot of kids that ask about these games. Um, And there's a lot of parents that really have no idea. I actually read today um, about a parent, uh, about, you know, someone who does something similar to what I did, who... um, was under the impression that the ESRB was a rating of difficulty and not, um, (laughs) like content. And these are just common misconceptions. I mean, again, uh, this is this, there's a guy on my uh, Facebook in that, who is a friend of mine on Facebook who brings this up all the time. Like they have to put don't dive signs in 28 inch deep pools. So we gotta, you know, we gotta talk about all this stuff. So, so what is like M rated mad hard? Is yeah, that, more or like... less. She thought that you had to be 18 or more uh, to uh, play it because it was tough. And you know what? Some of those games are pretty hard. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah. So I agree. we are. We're gonna talk about a lot of those things. Also, I have a group of writers who are really interested in talking about it. So, uh, um. We have a piece just kind of introducing what God of War is and why it is special. Um, We have another piece coming within the coming weeks about the themes of parenting and why they think they are becoming more prevalent in video games today. Um, We're obviously going to have a review. um, And we're going to be talking about other things. Call of Duty, Battlefield, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, Probably not so much news, but you can definitely count on uh, reviews from us and maybe some other content. So um, that's a neat little start. I'm excited about God of War. It looks beautiful. Um, makes me. It, it did. I honestly c- contemplated going out and getting a 4K HDR television and a PS4 Pro. Um, I thought about it. It's I worth have noting. It now. Every, yeah, I know. Let's. You have uh, different responsibilities than I do, sir. Um, Just me I, and my cat. Yeah, because I thought about it, and the general uh, corrected me. Um, she was like, son, listen, get that, get that thought right out your mouth. And I was like, okay. you did just back 
like a uh, fireball island. So. I did, in fact, go full Volcar. I did. Yeah. And you know what? I don't regret that for a second. Or it's ever any. Um, I don't know if it's worth it, but I don't regret it. So, um, yeah. so that is... I can't... Go ahead. I will drive up to go play that with you. Well, absolutely. We're going to play it. Um... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I am looking forward to it. So, um, so that's God of War. I'm I am so hyped. It looks beautiful. Um, but let me tell you about a game I played. The embargo lifted today, so I can officially talk about it. And the podcast doesn't come out for a few days anyway. So, um, I played a game called Wizards of Legend. Now that game, that name is generic as all get out. It is, but. Um, wouldn't, would you believe me if I told you it's the best Avatar The Last Airbender video game I've ever played? Well, I heard your thoughts on the last, last Airbender game you ever played, so. It's not hard. Yeah, um, it's not hard. It's a this, pretty low bar. It is definitely a low bar. Avatar games are generally pretty bad. But here's the thing. This game is really good. Um, so let me set the stage. Nay, let me set the table for you. So, um, you it is a roguelite game. Basically, every time you play the game, the, uh, the stages and the maps are largely different. You play a wizard who is running through levels um, and defeating enemies, earning money and chaos crystals in an effort to get more powerful as you play through the game. Um, you have spell slots that you can equip with cool spells, um, and you can equip one piece of loot, basically. Um, like, they call it a relic. And they all do different things. Um, and the idea is, uh, you have four different spells that you can equip. And each of those spells can have a different element in them. So one of them is basically a melee attack. It's like a short range, you know, well, like a slash. Um... Another one is a dash. Another is like a general spell, which is, you know, if it, it, it it's it's just like your meat and potato spell. And the third and the last one is your signature spell. You can equip. There are dozens of spells that fit in each of these different spaces, and you can equip up to four of them at the beginning of a run. Um, and they all do different stuff. There's a shield one. There's a, like an earth shield that actually creates a ring of earthen shields that surround you that deflect projectiles and if you run into enemies with them they they hurt it hurts them um it, it's just really cool um and it really feels like you are mastering the elements and just wrecking face eventually you will earn enough coins um the the money you earn you actually can find merchants on the maps and you can buy spells that you can't carry in between games so there are spells that are, like, improved um, that are additional spells. Like, you know, that didn't that were assigned to buttons that didn't have anything before. So now you have, like, a fifth spell. Um, and they do just bananas stuff. Um, and it's, you know, you, you, the idea is the only thing that you can keep in between runs are these chaos crystals. And over time, you can buy some pretty awesome stuff. Um, and you will you know, kind of play through these levels, and eventually the goal is to try and get through nine stages in one run um, and defeat the three, like, wizard champions. And there's an earth guy who's like a tree dude. Uh, there is a fire person and a ice person. And you have to just cruise through all of them. Um, dude, this game is amazing. It's, like, 
it, it's under $20. It's available on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, I, I talked to uh, Evan about this earlier on, and he said that this is basically, you know, right now his game of the year. Now, wow. that's, you know, that, I mean, there haven't been a lot that's come out so far this year, but for him, this is his game of the year, and he's not sure that anything's coming out that's going to be even close, um, because this is ridiculous. Now, if they drop Pokemon in the fall, forget about it, but I don't think that's happening. Um, he loves this game. Um, he loves everything about it, the weapons, the combat. Um, it's done in like an 8-bit aesthetic but it's clearly not an 8-bit game um it is a lot of fun also two-player cooperative um so the only problem is you can't use two full controllers you have to use half of a joy-con in order to play um multiplayer which is very weird but what are you gonna do so, for those of you listening, we're going to have a review. Uh, review will definitely be up before this podcast goes live. So, go take a look at the review. Hear what I have to say. This game is good. It is hard, but it is not impossible. Um, and I think that this is one of those uh, games that a lot of people will enjoy. Um, so, that is Wizards of Legend. Um, so, you played a little bit of the Destiny expansion. Is that right? I... Uh, I was in a rush to try and play some of the new raid tonight, but uh, I'm not that light level yet. Yep. But um, I played all the story missions, and it's pretty decent. It's uh, they introduce um, Mars finally, so there's another whole planet and um, interesting new uh, enemies, which are just like reskins. Like like evolutions of the old en- enemies, and then um, you get this. Uh, sometimes there's this like crazy power up, which is like a javelin that yeah. like explodes when it hits, yeah. which is pretty amazing. But um, you you've seen uh, war games, obviously. Yes. Okay. Um, it's basically the story about this uh, highly intelligent computer. Yep. That uh, is corrupted, so you're going to save it because the comp- you made your uh, the humans made the computer, so you're fixing the corruption. Yep. By the aliens. So. Okay. It's an interesting story. It's a lot of fun. All right. It's it, it, it's a little short, but you know, don't expect too much. You know, it's a couple hours, just like the other expansions. Yeah, but, the, um, the big expansion. More characters. Yeah, the big expansion is going to be coming next year, right? Is that basically what I understand? Oh yeah, uh, Warmind. Warmind. All right. Yeah, they haven't confirmed anything, but my understanding is that they're going to have it next year. Yeah. All right. So that is Destiny Two, the Warmind expansion. Um, so now let's talk about Nintendo because we love talking about Nintendo here. So, uh, this week, Nintendo finally, finally announced, like, uh, finally, like literally finally announced some of the details for their upcoming premium online service, um, called Nintendo switch online. Um, we don't have a release date. 
um, but I have some suspicions. Um, but uh, here is what they did announce. So um, first, let's talk about the price because I think that's probably the best part of it. Um, the pricing is as follows. Um, individual accounts, which is limited to one membership per Nintendo account holder, uh, one month for three ninety nine, three months for seven ninety nine, or twelve months for nineteen ninety nine. Very good price for people who are just one person on the account. If you have multiple accounts on the same Switch, like I do, um, then uh, you, you're going to want to go with a family membership where you can invite up to seven people to join a family group. Each member of the family group will have access to Nintendo Switch Online, even across multiple Switches. Starting in May, you'll actually be able to go to Nintendo and build your family group. Now, I don't know what the rules are for that. Um, or if, like, you could be in our family group. Yeah. I, I don't know the rules. Um, if we can, you're in, buddy. Yes. You, you family. You family. Um, and that I have no problem spending the $20. It's actually one we're going to get into late, more yeah, of it, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it but is a great value at $20. Hands I agree. Down. I agree. However, $0 is better. Um so, the um, I mean, I'm just saying, zero dollars is better if it if it's okay. We'll make it work. So it's a thirty four, so it's thirty four ninety nine for twelve months for the family membership, which is, you know, I mean, if you have two people, it's a savings. Um, so I think price wise, it's great. I have heard some concerns on the internet, and I don't necessarily disagree with them. Um, that the uh, that the the price is so low that it might actually be detrimental because like they're not going to necessarily feel comfortable um, improving the service because it's only you know it's only so many bucks you know what I mean yeah so I think that is a concern something that we'll have to figure out but what are you gonna do so that's the pricing so here's what you get. For your twenty bucks or your thirty-four bucks. Um, first, uh, you get online play. Duh, right from their site. Uh, battle it out or compete with players around the world in, in compatible games like Splatoon Two, Arms, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, Mario Tennis Aces, and Sushi Striker: The Way of Sushido. They are selling Sushi Striker: The Way of Sushido hard, yeah. all over the place. Um. Uh, so, this, that, that's it. It's online play. You pay as part of it. It opens up the ability to play online competitively and cooperatively. Now, if you'll recall, many of these games will are already free or will be free uh, to play online before the service launches. And then once that's done, you will have to pay for them. Um, so that's kind of a bummer. You know, all the folks playing, you know, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe without having to pay for their online, uh, you're going to have to pay for that, um, which is a bummer, but 20 bucks really isn't that bad. So, and maybe, you know, if you're, you're only really using it during the summer or something like that, you know, you buy three months at a time. It's not a big deal. Um, so, um, online play has never been Nintendo strong suit. So I will admit that I am somewhat curious as to whether or not they can pull this off, but they have been working on it long enough. So I hope, that they'll be fine. Especially, uh, they got to get their online ready because of uh, Fortnite. 
which is 100% coming to the Nintendo Switch. So, um, and Smash. Well, and Smash, Smash is the piece de resistance, right? Like yeah. they need Smash um, to be a hit, and they need because it could be huge. Um, and they need the online play to work for that. So, yeah, it's going to be a big deal. So, so that's it. One thing, online play. Next. This is a mouthful. Nintendo Entertainment System, Nintendo Switch Online. That is that is literally the name of the feature. Basically, uh, there will be 20 NES games with added online play. Um, NES games with online play. Just put that just put that out in your brain. 20 of them. So, uh, 10 of them have been announced already. Um, so I will read them now. Um, they are Soccer, Tennis, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Dr. Mario, The Legend of Zelda, and Super Mario Brothers 3. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Steve... Legend of Zelda is a single-player game. How are they adding multiplayer to that? Well, I'll tell you. Um, Other people on your friends list will be able to spectate you playing these single-player games, and they'll be able to voice chat with you, and we'll talk about how that's done later. Um, If they're talking too much trash, you can say, son, you do it yourself, and you can pass them the controller. Which is awesome. Which is just fascinating stuff. Now, um, the... Online play is added to every classic game. Um, there's com- the, the competitive modes are obvious. Online Dr. Mario, please. Okay? Yeah. Online Dr. Mario is crazy. Um, so that's just awesome. Um, we're going to have a feature up next week, um, maybe even later this week, where we talk about the 10 games that we want next. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm, gonna br- I'm just going to spoil one-tenth of that list. Ice hockey, baby. Oh, Ice absolutely. hockey. Um, I'm all fat guys all the time. All I just want uh, RC program, man. RC program. Ooh, that, that, very good. Also, right? um, also published by Nintendo. Pro wrestling. Yep. Oh yeah. Starman. Yep. Oh boy. So that is. So they've announced ten. Ten more will be revealed at a later time. I'm guessing E3. Um, which will be super exciting. Uh, we will be very ready to report on that when they don't have a exact release date, but they're saying September 2018. That's the official on Nintendo's website. Um, yes, that is what they have said. So, all right. So that is um, so that's the next feature now. They said that they are going to regularly add more games, which means some of these may be sunset. It's tough to say. Um, but this is the Netflix of Nintendo games that we've been talking about. Um, if they roll in with first-party only NES games, they do have room for another. I think like twenty. I think there's like eighteen more. There really aren't that many first-party NES games. So if they're only going to have first-party games then they have they don't have infinity options but I, I can picture this with S, with SNES games too down the line so we'll have to see well also um the Nintendo classic isn't all first party games so there's yes. a possibility that I, some of this code will be re- rewritten for multiplayer and we'll, will we'll find pop out up. we'll find out it could be that they yeah. showed us the 10 
first party games and the next one exactly. will all be third party it's tough to it's tough to say we'll find out um so that is the nintendo entertainment system nintendo switch online um a next feature um is that the nintendo switch online app is still in effect it exists now um listen it's not great <laughs> i mean it's not the best thing in the world i would much yeah. rather Earlier you mentioned before, well, zero is better than $20. This is what you're getting for zero dollars. So, yeah, well, like... I get it. This is what you're getting for $20 also. Yeah, exactly. Um, I get it. I just wish, you know, I mean, it really is. It, it is better. I would imagine that this thing would just eat the battery life of the Switch. Um. So, anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, that is the app. Um. And it is, uh, you know, I, I, it is what it is. I, I appreciate the stupid stuff that you, that it throws out there for the, um, for the, sorry, John. I appreciate the stupid stuff it throws out there, like for Splatoon, like it shows like how big of an area you have, um, you have painted over, and it's and it does it like in some obnoxious, um. You know, like the way that it keeps track of the stats. Like at one point, we had painted the surface area of like the Great Pyramids or something. Like it just goes crazy with the stats. I really dig that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So next, and this is the most contentious feature, and that's save data backup to the cloud. Um, basically, folks, right from their website, save your data online for easy access. Details about this feature will be available before the paid service launches in September. Um, basically, folks, if you are a Nintendo Switch Online subscriber, you will be able to upload your saves into the cloud and then download them, potentially onto another Switch. Um, this is going to be good for people who switch switches. Uh, this will be great for families who have... Um, like, for example, we've talked about this on the podcast before, the idea of we're going to have to buy multiple Switches for Pokemon. Absolutely. We're just going to need to do it. And you know what? The fact that the save data will largely be interchangeable between those two Switches is very nice. Um, how about the fact that Switches are mobile, right? They're handheld. So the ability to lose one or have it stolen is very is it's possible. I mean, there's really no way around that. You can't avoid it. Um, so I think that is, you know, that finally they are adding it. This is something that was available on the PS4 forever. Um, and the Xbox one, um, you had to pay for it on the X, uh, on the PS4 Xbox one. Technically you just need to have a Microsoft account. You don't have need to have Xbox live gold. So it's free there. Um, PS4, you have to pay for it, whatever. It's part of the service. We're paying 20 bucks. Um, I think it's absolutely worth it. Um, I would pay $20 for that if I had multiple switches, even if I got nothing else. I would pay $20 a year just for the games. Like that, that you're paying a dollar per game to play a uh, collection of 20 games that are going to move in and out. That's, that's well worth every single penny. No, I agree. I agree. Um, it is a so this this service is pretty rad. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it it has its weaknesses. It needs to be improved a little bit. Um, I mean, what are you gonna do? But I think for what it is, 
I think this service is going to be serviceable. Um, and obviously, we know they're going to improve it. They're going to keep adding more features or changing things. Because um, PlayStation, Lord knows, PlayStation Plus hasn't remained the same. You know what I mean? So that should be a whole lot of fun. So um, so that's Nintendo. Um, they they finally gave us the news. Now, I'm happy that they did this now because I think this would have been like this would have been a fun vacuum <laughs> um at the uh you know at the E3 you know so oh, i'm cool. very glad that they got this out of the way now can't wait to see what they actually um bring to the table cuz man i need i need some good stuff from them this year i'm just i'm just hungry man yeah but it was just surprising it was like a random monday when they announced it just like what huh yeah i took a look at my twitter and all of a sudden i was like oh everybody's talking about this where's the link um and then boom yeah boom there it is so um so that's that's our that's our first topic um so mr tomlinson um i think it's time for a break excellent all right so folks um mr tomlinson is uh, gonna say goodbye because when we come back from our break i'm gonna be talking to trevor from uh, mightier. So, John, say goodnight. Goodnight. Enjoy. All right, folks. We will see you soon. Bye now. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 131 of Engage a Family Gaming Podcast. I am still Steven. We're still talking about video games, but this time, uh, we I have traded my usual co-hosts. I've sent them out into the ether and uh, replaced them with a guest. One, uh, Trevor Stricker of Mightier.com. Um, Mightier is a... Uh, you are a... Well, you know what? Why don't you tell me what Mightier is? Because I know, but you, I'm sure you have a tighter elevator pitch than I do. <laughs> Thanks, Steven. Yeah, so at Mightier... We use video games to help kids' mental health. We have a type of gameplay that helps kids build emotional regulation and can be effective with symptoms like outbursts, anxiety, mm -hmm. oppositional behavior, and even ADHD. Awesome. Yeah, so we met while I was at PAX a few weeks ago. Um, we had a very brief breakfast discussion before both of us had to run off to the different corners of the universe for appointments. Um, and I was fascinated by the presentation that you gave me um, because I had never... It, it all made sense, but I had never thought about it before. And I think that's probably an experience that you have with a lot of parents that kind of encounter you initially. Like, sure. it makes sense intuitively that video games and, you know, working with video games that you can teach things because, you know, I talk about that all the time. Um, but I had never thought about the idea of using it to teach things like emotional control. It was just completely an alien thought to me until you showed me the data, and I was like, whoa. It was like, it, it kind of opened up a whole new world for me, um, and I would presume that you kind of have that epiphany moment with a lot of parents and stuff when they, when they encounter you, right? Like, if they buy in, it's got to be an interesting experience just to kind of go through the process onboarding with them, right? Sure. Um, and, you know, I think the, the thing is, a lot of families who struggle with these issues are, are really hungry for something that might sure. help. Sure. 
Sure. I absolutely. Um, so why don't you, um, tell me, let's start with just the basics. How does this work? Sure. So kids play games Yep. and they wear a heart rate monitor. Sure. Okay. It's, it's a watch like a Fitbit or an Apple watch. Sure. When the tension in the game causes their heart rate to go up, the game can sense it. And then what we do is make the games more difficult. Okay. And so to keep playing, the person has to calm themselves down. And what we found is that this intentionally calming yourself down in the moment exercises and strengthens your emotional regulation. That's just, I mean, it makes total sense when you say it, but I, I can't, I, until you mentioned it to me and showed me the numbers, it, I, I would never have even thought about it. So you make these games hard. Um, and so t- give me an example of like how you would make a game harder. Like what kind of, you know, so like, cause that just seems kind of odd that you would just kind of, do you just mess with the difficulty <laughs> controls? I mean, we're game design. I mean, you're a game designer, I'm sure. So you know how to make games hard, but like, how do you actually do it in a way that, you sure. know? Sure. So the, the interesting thing is, first of all, it's gotta be really obvious and really visual. Sure. So the platform has these guys called lava lings that are your hot emotions. Oh, okay. That we work into making the game more difficult because for the person playing, they have to intuitively grasp, Oh, this is something I have agency over. Sure. And now I want to exercise my agency. So, you know, really the heart of what we're doing is building a game mechanic around your inner emotional state. And to do that elegantly, it depends on the game. Sure. So for example, a game that works really well is race the sun. Okay. Which is this sort of futuristic spaceship flying game where you're flying through some futuristic world. Um, it's, you know, a really well-regarded game on Steam, Million Seller, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on Mightier. Okay. And what happens in Race the Sun is when, you're, when you start getting escalated, these lava links start flying in on the edges of the screen and slowly, slowly start closing in okay. until it, it makes it hard to read your peripheral vision. And because you're flying so quickly, when you lose your peripheral vision, it makes the game much more difficult. Sure. Um, you know, you can still play, and the goal is we want these things to be something that you could recover from. Sure. Uh, but it, it takes a lot of effort, and it's that intentional practice of calming yourself down that helps kids strengthen their inner emotional regulation. Sure, and it gives them... Uh like a practical ex, uh, you know, I mean, practical in air quotes, right? Like, you know, video games are not, you know, we're not building rocket ships, but it gives them like an actual use case for these skills where, um, you know, they, they actually are able to say, okay, it's time to try and flex that muscle. Whereas, you know, just anecdotally, just thinking about it and, and it, you know, going to a therapist and them saying, okay, so you can breathe or, you know, giving them techniques, they're not necessarily in that super stressed out moment in a therapist's office. 
ideally. Right. I mean, I'm sure that that happens, but you know, they're not necessarily in the heat of the moment there. So it may be hard for them to kind of practice it or really even know what they're trying to practice. Whereas uh, race, the sun is a very difficult video game. Um, and it gets harder and harder because you, you are trying to race the sun. You will always lose. So I think it's a great use case because um, you can't win that game, right? Like you can't win that game. So it eventually it will be at peak challenge for every player on earth. Like no one's ever going to just beat it forever. Um, well, never say never, but um, like, so eventually they're going to be stressed out by this game. So they're going to feel stressed out and they're going to be able to like actually practice these techniques or develop their own in a real quote unquote environment. I think that's super fascinating. Um, I love the lavalings thing. Um, because so the fact that you've personified like their, uh, their, their, you know, hot emotions with like these weird comical characters, it's just, you know, I, it's gotta be great for, you know, working with kids and helping them visualize, you know, these lavalings popping up in their real life. Um, so so can I pick up on that point? Yeah. Because you brought up something really fascinating, which is one of the real strengths of mightier. Isn't that the, the person will learn anything in the program that they wouldn't learn through a therapist or through, you know, uh, somebody at school. Sure. But the fact that they're playing video games. So, you know, kids are being met where they want to be. Sure. Um, the fact that, that they can actually see the impacts of how they can connect how they feel on the inside in the moment with what's happening on the screen. Sure. Often the real power is that it's a way in for these kids to understand what's happening in their bodies. Sure. Having a, a conversation after the moment's passed in a therapist's office or with your teacher or with your parent. Sure. You know, the, the problem is you're not, you're not in the moment. Yeah. It's, it's past. Uh, I mean, of, of course it sounds reasonable to say, no, you know, I wish I, I hadn't bitten that other kid, you know, just like us as adults, sometimes like we come out of a heated exchange and we think like, oh, I could have handled that a lot better. Sure. So often this is what this really is, is a way for, is a way in for kids to understand what's happening and that they have some agency over the situation. Absolutely. I mean, it's got to help with transference, right? You know, I've talked to a bunch of people that, um, you know, deal with like games in education, right? And so <laughs> the the big challenge with any kind of, you know, game-based learning is transference. Like, are we going to be able to take that knowledge that we have gained and apply it to a real-world scenario? And that, I, I think there's, in this case, you know, learning STEM topics from building Nintendo Labos or whatever <laughs> is a is is certainly something that can be done and obviously with debriefing etc it can be done but this is actually calming themselves down in a stressful situation admittedly it's not like a fight or flight situation which we don't right. really want to simulate those really i mean i guess you well, know i i would actually push back against that and say it is a fight or flight situation because you know when you play a video game you experience stress you experience tension okay uh, no, right? you're right. Being you're challenged right. is not a bad thing. Uh, what's cool about video games is the stakes are really low. True. You're you're right. I was just imagining the idea of not wanting to put like emotionally distressed children in a room with like a bear. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to do that. <laughs> Bears and children. This don't, is even even you know 
if they're not emotionally yeah, distressed. Exactly. That they, might not be the that's best one, idea. Exactly. That's one way to make them emotionally distressed. That's one way to make me emotionally distressed. Uh, I wouldn't want to yes, be in a room with a bear. But no, you're right. It's high stress but low stakes. Because exactly. I mean, because they're games, you want to do well because that's just the natural state of things, right? Like people understand, especially kids understand when they're playing a game they want to do well that's just like what we're conditioned to do um now yep. what def, you know what you and i define as quote unquote doing well in a given game might be different but we all want to achieve some kind of goal uh, better games will provide us with you know kind of clear goals for that so so I, i'm a huge huge fan of, of what you're saying so far so let's talk about the the science behind this because one of the things that you made very clear with me um when we met before pax um is that this is not just nonsense that there's real science behind this <laughs> yes. right um because because it, it sounds like you probably get some pushbacks from, from some folks that don't really understand that you guys are doing like real work that there's science this is scientifically validated and clinically relevant data so tell me a little bit about like the the data behind this because this is not just a thought this is you guys have put real work into this right yeah uh so that's that's a great question because um you know we make pretty bold claims and i think looking at it with a sense of healthy skepticism is is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, so the science actually uh, was started by my business partner who's on the faculty of Harvard Medical School. Okay. And the foundational research started around 10 years ago uh, with some researchers at Boston Children's Hospital. And, you know, they noticed that the most common issue that would bring kids into the clinic were these aggressive behaviors. Um, and, you know, the current state of treatment really didn't have options for all of these families. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's the, the accessibility issue of the fact that there's nine workers in mental health for every hundred thousand people, uh, and, you know, uh, it's one thing if, if you're, if you have access to Boston Children's Hospital, but most people in the world don't actually have access to Boston Children's Hospital. That math checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, you know, there's, there's also just issues with, uh, you know, things like meds besides having side, side effects. They don't teach skills. And if you stop taking meds, you go, you can go back to baseline. Um, and they started thinking of, of ways that that technology could help with these issues and uh, they actually tried a whole bunch of different things they tried toys and they tried multiplayer video games and so they did a study a randomized control trial which is a you know the, the gold standard for science a, a placebo double-blind placebo controlled study where one group of kids, the, the experiment group, played Mighty Raz It Exists Now with the heart rate monitor. The other group of kids, the placebo group, played the same game and they wore the same heart rate monitor. It's just the biofeedback was turned off. Okay. So it never got harder. But, you know, you had no idea of knowing if it was because you were in the placebo group or just because you happened to not get agitated that day. Sure. And what they found was when they 
performed certain clinically validated scales. So, you know, mental health is a little tricky. You can't, it's not like a broken bone where you can look at an x-ray and say, oh, here's where it's broken and here's, sure. now it's healed. Um, so, you know, they have these scales that measure things like oppositional behavior. Okay. Uh, stress at home, which is often a great indicator for the acuteness of somebody's symptoms because even if kids can kind of hold it together when they're out in the real world, they often come home and just totally fall apart. Sure. And what they found at the end of this study is the difference between the placebo group and the experiment group was hugely statistically significant. Okay. Parental stress, the stress at home, went down almost 20%. Okay. And what's, uh, what was really interesting was oppositional behaviors. And I'm just, I, uh, I usually have this number at, uh, at the tip of my, at the tip of my fingers, oppositional behaviors went down by 40%. So what's it, what's an oppositional behavior just for, cause I'm a layman. Sure. So an oppositional behavior is an aggressive an aggressive form of a, a behavior in a child where oh, okay. they basically oppose everything that you say. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so I probably should have been able to figure that out. <laughs> so, no, no, it's fair enough. So the, you know, the interesting thing is obviously, you know, this is the tricky thing about mental health. It's healthy to have some degree of these things, but it becomes, you know, something that's, that's clinically relevant yep. if it's above a certain magnitude. Sure. And, you know, so the, the kids who were involved in this study all had some sort of diagnosed behavior issues. Um, and, you know, they often don't, there's ethical reasons with, with just, you have a study with withholding treatment. And so uh, often the kids who are, you know, who can participate in these studies are what's called treatment refractory, meaning they have very acute symptoms. Okay. Um, that aren't responding to treatment as usual or aren't responding sufficiently to treatment as usual. Okay. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing about our science is, uh, first of all, the way scientists work is if they see something interesting, they don't say, oh, that's interesting. What they say is, hmm, what happens if I try exactly the same thing? Yep. Okay. So that's happened. There was a group at Massachusetts General Hospital that reproduced our original research with an interesting twist. And the interesting twist is they followed up with the participants three months after to okay. see if the effects stuck around. Okay. Because as you mentioned, the gold standard in, uh, in teaching or in mental health is translation, whether what the kid learns in treatment, what the person learns in treatment can translate into the real world, into the actual context. And so this study was amazing. First of all, they replicated our results. Okay. Uh, they found it was effective. And when they followed up three months after, they found that the effects had stuck. Which is super relevant because that's not common, especially not with like medications, because once the meds are out of your system, you're back to, you're back to the baseline. In a lot Precisely. Of cases. All right. Meds so, don't teach skills, and and nobody would claim that they do. Yeah, that's not what they're for. Um, so I mean, that's fascinating. It's really it's really cool that the uh, that 
the the, the kind of the, the the proof of concept of you know the way scientists work, right? Like this is this is the ideal <laughs> yeah. scenario, right? Like bunch of nerds it's the opposite did a of thing. video games. Yeah, exactly. If, I, if I'm like Zelda's amazing, I'm not going to be like I'm going to go make Zelda. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, although, I, 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 listen, if that means more Zelda, I, I would love it if uh, developers started doing that, because uh, that just means more Zelda for me, um, which I would be fine right, with. Um, sure, go ahead. Um, I, uh, But that's not legal advice. That's just encouragement. Um, you know, I so, know, uh, Yeah, exactly. Go find a good lawyer and then go make another Zelda. It's fine. I'm sure it'll be okay. <laughs> okay I can make this. I'm sorry, yeah, Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. It was, this podcast guy said that I should. I'm sure that'll fly. It'll be all right. Their lawyers will totally take it easy on you. So, um, so yeah, I mean, right, like a bunch of nerds did a thing and found a cool result. And then, you know, it, it, the fact that we got further backup from another group of nerds that did the same thing, um, awesome. And that's, I mean, obviously that's the foundational, you know, that's why you're able to do what you do and, you know, why we have this product here. So here's, here's a question that I have. So we know we have this valid scientific research, this clinically relevant data. And so you have a, you know, like essentially the beginnings of a treatment plan. Um, but the core of this product is the games, right? You know? Yeah heart monitors, you know, whatever, there's, you know, bunches of those, and they're not hard to find a good one that I'm sure was su suited your pro your product well, um, although I'm sure that that process of selecting which one you wanted was probably painstaking, because, you know, you're making a product, but, so the games is the core element. Yeah, they all, exactly. They're all slightly different, but, um, and I'm sure that was a pain to, to go through, but I'm sure the harder part is um, you know because this is the part that the kids interact with is the games because the reality is um, I am sure a lot of parents are you know that once they believe that this might work then they're like what the heck is my kid going to be playing is this some game made by some you know lab technician and yep. are they going to be motivated to actually play this thing because we all know you, if you force a kid to play a game they are less likely to enjoy it um, so yeah. What's going on with your games? So you mentioned Race the Sun, which I am I have personal experience with that game. It is very good. I, you know, I've, you know, met the team that that makes it at various events. Um so that's one game that's really good. But is that the only game on the service? No. So uh we have 13 games right okay. now and we add one more every month. Okay. Uh The interesting thing about our approach is we don't develop games. We work with games from other developers that we integrate into our platform. Awesome. And, you know, making games is very hard. Please trust me, I've, I've done it for 20 years. Oh, I know game making is hard. That's why I don't do it. Uh, <laughs> um, so... <And laughs> what, what's cool is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of good games out there, and a lot of them are very interested in working with us, because if you've built something, wouldn't you want to use it to help children? I would I would presume that there would that a lot of companies would be super open to that. I think it makes total sense to me. So you know we work with we we have a lot of games that had long successful runs before they were on My Dear. Um, you know, Race the Sun is a great example. Uh, it's a really well received, million selling game on Steam. Yep. Uh, you know, but so is hundreds. Uh, which was this Apple Editor's Choice math puzzle game that was also, you know, in the IGF. 
And I remember talking with the developers, thinking, like, it's a map puzzle game with spare graphics. Like, will kids actually care? But one of the things we do is we play test. Okay. We don't rely on 40-year-old Trevor's opinion for what a an 8-year-old will like. We ask 8-year-olds. Uh, and we had a playtesting session with middle school girls. Okay. And we showed them four games. And because I didn't think that they would like hundreds, it, it was just I gave it to them on my iPhone. And holy cow, the, the game that resonated with these girls the strongest was hundreds. They were fighting over my phone, trying to grab it from each other over <laughs> over the uh, the office stone floor, which obviously gave me a little bit of anxiety. Yeah, I would have been oh, nervous too. I'd have been nervous too. Uh, but you know, but wow, uh, amazing reaction. Um, and so, you know, the the interesting thing about what we're doing is we're building a game platform. So it's not a game, it's more than a dozen games. And, you know, we've got our racing game, and we've got our puzzle game, and we've got our infinite runner. Um, and, you know, as anybody who plays games knows, the most popular, most successful game. So what is it right now? Probably Fortnite? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty safe. <laughs> it's played by less than 1% of all people who play games. Yeah. And... The moral of the story is, if you take an arbitrary gamer, self-defined, say, yeah, I like video games, and put them in front of Fortnite, you know, there's maybe a 1% chance that they'll actually have a good time. You know, maybe maybe larger, because it's a good game, but there's a 1% chance that they'll actually be playing it. And that is with the most popular game right now. So, you know, the whole point of a platform is there's lots of things on there. And there's hopefully something for everybody. And I mean, the the you know law of large numbers, right? You keep adding games. Eventually, you will have something for everybody. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. So what's the what's the process like? So what's the pitch process? So do you? So obviously, there are infinity games basically released every day <laughs> on Steam. So like, do you have like a submission process? Like, do you reach out to them? Do you know how how does that all happen? Like what's the sure. what's the onboarding process? If I'm making a game, how do I get it onto Mightier? So right now, uh, you know, part of making games for 20 years is I know lots of other people who make games. Sure. And I reach out to them. Sure. Uh, you know, we do we do pay people. Uh, it's not like it's a it's a life changing amount of money. Um, the developers who work with us really care about our mission. Sure. And they want to use what they've made to help children. Um, so, you know, most of the time it's me reaching out to people saying, you know, here's what we're doing. Uh, here's how I'd love to partner with you. Um, you know, often developers, when you let me tell you what happens when you ship a game in the App Store, you get 100 emails the next day saying, try my advertising network, try my my ad service for free players try my review service that will get you reviews and so you get kind of uh, inundated i'll bet um so you know often it I, I have to kind of justify what we're doing and cut through some of that skepticism which is 
is totally cool. Uh, people often want to check check me out, you know, Google me to see that I'm a legit person who's made video games for a long time. Sure. Might even know somebody in common. Um, and then we have a, a discussion, you know, how will their game change to get more difficult? Uh, how will we work it into our platform? Um, uh, most people are are pretty open to, to using what they've got to help kids. If there's a developer out there who's listening to your podcast who want who thinks that they have a game that's a, a fit, then just you know it's 2018. It's really easy to find somebody's contact information on yeah. the internet. Just reach out to me. Fair enough. So, um, so you add a new game. So how it's got to be hard, right, to add the mightier layer to these games, right? Like it can't be easy, or is it? Am I overthinking this? Like no, well, how it can you, be very difficult. It can be uh, all right. You know, for it to work, it's got to be a very elegant addition to, to what's in the game. We like to think that most kids aren't really aware that this is something that was added after the fact. Um, you know, we like to think that. It's not necessarily always the case. But, uh, you know... Part of keeping ourselves honest is we often ask kids, would you rather we just got rid of this gauge, got rid of the lava lings, and you just played without it? Sure. And they say no. They say this is a really interesting mechanic. This is like a fascinating thing that like no other game has, which, you know, as a game designer, it's like, it's awesome. It's like, it just, it's super validating. Um, you know, now I think when it comes to actually designing these, it really depends on the game, and it depends on how much we're messing with the game mechanics. So, you know, sometimes with Race the Sun, adding lavalings on the screen, like, you know, that's one level of complexity. We've got to draw more stuff on the screen, which obviously, that's a very graphically involved game, so drawing more things is, is tough. We've got to make sure we don't make, make it instant death, where the moment this comes on the screen, you die, because yeah. that's... <laughs> That'd that's be a little harsh. Hey, you're stressed out. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, some games uh, are even more difficult because, you know, we've got to go in and tweak the difficulty curve. Sure. And figure out exactly what the game did and then play test it to make sure that, like, it's actually getting more difficult. Which is where there's an advantage to the fact that you've been making games for a long time. You, you, you know, you can apply the skills that you learned making games to essentially make a game. I mean, you're taking somebody else's baby and kind of making it the mightier edition of that game, um, which, I mean, that sounds fascinating to me. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's also, it's interesting that you call them people's babies because, you know, when you're a creative person, you spend a lot of, of your energy of your time building these things and they really are your babies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the challenges with wooing developers to work with us is, yeah, we're going to make changes to your game. Yeah. And they have to feel comfortable with us. Yeah. I've spoken to, yeah, I've, I, I've been doing, as long as I've been doing this, I've been fortunate enough to, like, meet a lot of, you know, be it, you know, video game design, uh, developers, be it indie or otherwise, but also a lot of, you know, board game developers, too. Um, and 
it's and that's the one unifying theme like if you are the creative person that is making a game that is essentially your kid and truthfully that's how i feel about my podcast and my website you know so sure, i yeah. can totally understand yeah. how they how they feel um and so the idea of having somebody come in and you know, kind of go under the hood, um, you know, that I could imagine that that would take a certain level of trust. And I think it probably is, you know, not, not dissimilar to the level of trust that some parents would have to have in order to let you kind of go under the hood of their kid, <laughs> you know, sure. um, you know, cause there's sure. gotta be some, some level of skepticism with the parents. Like how does it, how does a parent find you? Do they just kind of Google you up and find you online? Do you have clinicians that recommend you? Like, how does a, like, I, I mean, obviously parents are going to listen to this and you know, they're going to go <laughs> to mightier.com. Um, by the way, go to mightier.com and check it out if this is something you're interested in. But so how else do you guys get found? I mean, do you have like a network of clinicians that are aware of you? Do you have like an outreach program with medical professionals? Like wh where, what's, what's that process like? Sure. So, um, we do work actively with a number of OTs and mm -hmm. if any OTs are listening and want to participate in our actual OT program where we try and take their practice into account and figure out how we can help you, then please reach out because I'd love to chat about that. Um, we've worked with a number of schools and what often happens is we'll do a pilot study where the special ed department will use us and then, you know, oftentimes give us data that's, that's helpful for us. Like, you know, how many times a kid is taken out of class. Um, uh, and so often the other families in the school will be like, Ooh, why don't I try this too? Sure. We have very strong word of mouth. Um, you know, the thing about, you know, I, I'm a parent, you're a parent. If your child has an issue and something helps, your chances are you know other parents who have a similar issue and you're going to tell them. Yeah. No, I you, that, you told you. that makes total sense to me. And you're absolutely right. You know, especially parents that are struggling, um, you know, with a child that has like, you know, you know, emotional concerns, right. You know, even, you know, ADHD, you know, par parents of kids with ADHD, they're, they're going to know other kids cause they're going to meet them at the doctor or they're going to see a kid acting out at, at school and they're going to naturally gravitate to each other. Um, I mean, that's just, the, that, that's just how, you know, parents kind of form those groups. So I can, I, I absolutely can see that, that the word of mouth is strong. I mean, word of mouth is strong with games in general. So it fits, so it kind of fits yeah. the model, um, yeah. you know, and if it works, you know, especially with, you know, from what it sounds like that you, that there's the potential for dramatic results, man, listen, if, if I had a, you know, and knock on wood, I have been very fortunate, but if my child had something going on and and I was able to find something that was able to have like a dramatic result. You better believe I'd shout it from the mountaintops to every parent I could find. Um, yeah. And somebody would listen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So absolutely. Well, we also work with a number of people who uh, <clears throat> are in the space who uh, are advocates for what we're doing. So, you know, for example, Leah Kuypers, she wrote a book called zones of regulation and you know, she's been very vocal about uh, uh, supporting us. She's actually posted to her Facebook page and, and her email list. Uh, and, you know, there are other, other people out there who also appreciate what we're doing and help us spread the word. Awesome. Well, 
I'm glad that I am uh, doing my part to help spread the word um, <laughs> as part of the podcast here. Um, by all means, if you if you want to use uh, my podcast as proof that you know what you're talking about, feel free to share that with all the folks that, that you want. I, I would I would uh, love to get myself in front of them. So zones. So um, before I get too too uh, on a sidetrack here, you said it was Zones of Regulation by Leah Kuypers. Leah Kuypers, yeah. Let's see. I'm looking at. I just went. Anytime someone mentions a book, I immediately go and and look it up on Amazon. So so it's a so oh so she she wrote so it's a curriculum designed to foster self regulation and emotional control. One yeah. it looks like that is a um a pretty good fit for you guys. Um, oh yeah. So um that sounds super interesting in and of itself. So um for my listeners who are interested in your product um. My so I've got the uh, my uh, I'm gonna put a link to the to this in the description, but it's mightier.com. That's gonna give yep. a lot of some of the high level details that you and I talked about today. It also has some trailers uh, that I found for some of the games on the service, which I think is yep. worth taking a look at. Um, just because it, you are right, you know. Now that I actually looked at it, I probably should have looked at those trailers before our interview. But hey, you know, um, that's on me. Um, so lots of cool games on there, um, and it definitely does look like a curated list of cool stuff. And man, Race the Sun is worth it uh, all on its own. Such a good game. Um, so um, the um, and you know, it's got the information for you know the app and for the service right on your website. Um, so this is something yep. people can buy direct from you. Does this need any kind of like a prescription or is this like a, nope. all right, well, there you go, folks. So, uh, that is mightier, which I am super fascinated by your work. Um, you know, I was so excited that we got a chance to connect at PAX. I got so many emails before the show for appointments and things like that. And I got to play some really cool stuff, but I really think that the most valuable, um, you know, 15 minutes of that entire event was getting to sit down with you over coffee and, you know, have you show me that PowerPoint. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me then. And for talking to me now, um, was there, uh, are there any parting words you want to throw out to my audience before we, uh... um, you know, it's, it's been great to talk to you, Stephen. I really love what you do with Engage Family Gamers. Uh, as a gamer parent myself, I know I'm often, uh, you know, the guy who answers questions. <laughs> yeah, you and I, I think you and I end up being uh, being in, stuck in a lot of the same situations, answering yep. questions. Um, have you been talking about Fortnite a lot recently? People asking you about that? <laughs> yes, especially there was that article in the New York Times, the Fortnite... For- Fortress, I can't remember about how remember, kids like playing this game. Oh yeah, it's man Fortnite. I actually just yesterday published uh, my parents' guide to Fortnite because mm. ev- it seems like every day I was getting a text message, text message or a Facebook message on the page for someone asking me about Fortnite, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to write it down so at least I get a click every time, so I can just <laughs> refer them to my own article. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you and I get stuff. I think you and I get into in this, a lot of the similar situations, being that we're you know games adjacent. We know what we're talking about, and there are a lot of parents that are super lost. So, yeah, glad to know I'm not alone in the trenches. I'll refer them to you if you refer, refer people to me. Sound fair? <laughs> sounds sounds fair. All right, folks. Fair. So that's uh, that's the time we have for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast as much as uh, Trevor and I enjoyed recording it. Um, Okay, folks, 
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Engage, a family gaming podcast. I do hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast as much as Trevor and I enjoyed recording it. We're going to be back next week for more talking about, this time we'll be talking about board games, because as you know, we alternate. So, um, in between now and then, I'd like you to do me one favor. If every one of you listening to this podcast would just find one person that you think might be interested in giving us a listen, please send that information to them. Send them a link in Facebook, tweet at them. You know, I'm not really concerned with how you do it as long as it's legal. Um, Because more people listening to the show, bigger audience, means we get to do bigger things. And I'd love for you guys to be on the ride with me. So until next time, this is Steven and my guest Trevor. We hope you have a wonderful week. And don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next.